Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And uh, we're going to be in for an interesting conversation today. We're talking all things external traffic, driving external traffic to Amazon, which is a huge factor for success on the Amazon platform in 2023 and beyond. And to talk through that, we've got uh, my namesake, Ben. Uh, great name, by the way. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here, Ben. It's uh, I think whenever you can collaborate with other people with the name Ben is a uh, high probability of a good outcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to dive into the, the conversation. I know a little bit about your background, but uh, enough, I know uh, a little enough to make this a genuine uh, grilling of a conversation to find out more about, you know, your history, what you've done. Uh, I know you've done some big things, which I'm really excited to learn more about, um, and some bigger things on the horizon as well. So uh, why don't we kind of run it all the way back to your start in the world of e-commerce? Give us a bit of your uh, origin story. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So um, to, to make the long story short of how I landed in e-commerce, uh, I'd start with um, undergraduate at, at West Point, military, a stint in banking at UBS, and then a stint at Tesla Motors prior to going to Harvard Business School. And um, while those weren't e-commerce, I think they set the conditions for having some understanding of logistics, some understanding of finance, some understanding of supply chain, which is where I worked at Tesla helping launch the Model S back when it wasn't the cool kids company, um, which seems to be somewhat out of favor in real time again today. But um, those things, I think, helped set me up for both Harvard Business School as well as e-commerce, which um, at Harvard Business School met my, um, actually prior to met my eventual co-founder at Best Reviews, Momshill. And then while we were at Harvard Business School, we started working on that project that became Best Reviews. Um, and that was the very, very direct hands-on um, e-commerce role for me that kind of got me into to the industry, really. Um, I did about a year and a half at LinkedIn full-time um, while working on Best Reviews on the side and then went full-time with that um, late 2015. And, and just for context, Best Reviews um, grew to become one of the largest independent um, review sites in the whole U.S. ecosystem of Amazon. Um, I think at one point in time we were uh, definitely a top five um, Amazon partner in the associates program, so driving you know, many, many, many um, billions in total of sales to Amazon. And so that was a wonderful experience. We were fortunate enough to sell that a couple of times, once to Tribune Publishing, and then kind of the remainder that we owned, we sold to Nexstar circa 2020. Um, and then from those experiences, I ended up moving to an advisory role in that business in 2019. Um, started, you know, started to experiment with new projects. Um, we were fortunate enough to, to grow several of those businesses, staying in the e-commerce ecosystem. And then um, most recently, I've actually been working on um, Maverick X, which I think we'll, we'll speak more about. But that's kind of the background yeah. of um, how I came from not in e-commerce into e-commerce to knowing something about this niche part, Ben, that you alluded to of traffic from outside the Amazon platform into the Amazon platform. Um, yeah. and, and Best Reviews was, was very, very um, good at that from a, from a um, skill set perspective and from a results perspective, driving, again, you know, billions in, in incremental sales for Amazon. 
and indirectly for brands that sell on Amazon as well. Obviously, lots to unpack there, and I do definitely want to talk the majority of our time about driving external traffic, Maverick X, etc. But just on your your history, there's some pretty big names, you know, Tesla, uh, Harvard Business School, LinkedIn, uh, military. Do you feel like those kind of roles in those companies have played a part in the success of Best Reviews? I 100% agree with that sentiment, Ben. The um, the one thing I would say is that if I had sat down when I was 18 or 22 and and or 27 and tried to build out a career path and said, oh, I'm, I'm going to need to know a little bit about this to succeed at this and so forth, uh, maybe I could have um, come up with something really compelling. But instead it was... Um, I think a mixture of, of, of good fortune and um, kind of trying to be somewhat strategic and, and hard work. And I'm, and I'm just very grateful because I, I completely agree that the experiences of each one together have made me, I think, far more um, effective, I think, and probably far more um, successful than I would have been had I just jumped into best reviews at age 22 mm. with, with none of the other um, experiences. And, and you see it in a couple different specific examples. When you're going to talk, particularly when I was early on at Best Freeze, we're going to talk to a partner about anything, whether that be Amazon or whether that be um, someone for distribution. You know, we weren't mm. nobodies. While we really were nobodies, they took us a little bit more seriously, I think, because of, to your point, military, the Tesla, the Harvard Business School, these, um, whether good or bad, these signals of trust and signals of credibility really helped open yeah. some doors for us when the business itself, Best Reviews, was still very nascent. Mm. Yeah, I think because a lot of our listeners will be dreaming of having their own business and wanting to create control of their time, all of these kind of things, which are great, um, but they also um, sometimes underestimate the value, I think, of a period, period of employment in a high-performance company because you can learn so much in those roles and too many people run away from those because they want to do their own thing when it can, as I think you've obviously alluded to, can be a great asset to you in your career. I 100% agree. In fact, when people come to me with a deep interest in entrepreneurship, um, a, a very high percentage of the time, my response is, I'd love for you to be an entrepreneur if that's where you want to be. I'd also love for you to consider working at a company in the industry and ecosystem that you're so excited to build something in. Because to your point, there's a combination of things very few businesses that are uh, successful in an ecosystem don't even if they're purely business to consumer or direct to consumer there's some aspect of b2b that's involved mm -hmm. and there's certainly ecosystem knowledge the, the quickest way to get that in many cases is to go work for an established incumbent in that industry so for me i, I feel super grateful that the work at linkedin in particular was in you know, more on the B2B side and kind of lead generation, but it was it was e-commerce, it was online, it was digital marketing, it was all these things that were exactly yeah. what I would end up doing at Best Reviews. And you know what? If not for the training, the, the credibility, the confidence, the, the understanding of how these different funnels um, and how traffic kind of moves around the internet, if I didn't have that yeah. experience, I think I would have had a far lower probability of success in, in the Best Reviews project. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and then just on best reviews before we do move on to uh, the, the kind of the future stuff, so people have some more context about that. Um, so is yourself and one other partner, did you say? We actually had two partners. One was one like to keep and still likes to keep a pretty low profile, but um, the other two, you know, super smart um, guys who, um, in Momshell's case, had been at Google, um, many many successes there, uh, an incredibly good understanding of particularly traffic, paid traffic, um, and then our, our third co-founder also a lot of understanding of, of traffic, traffic acquisition, um, how to think about consumer internet and particularly how to think about trust and how you win and earn trust from consumers on the internet and um, how the buying cycle is is impacted by that trust and i think that's a lot of what we did ben at best reviews it wasn't rocket science per se it was a lot of the basics and um, thinking really clearly about where there was a gap and at the time for a lot of consumers there wasn't a trusted place to find editorial content to help make a better purchasing decision. Instead, you know, you can go into a platform like Amazon and try to read many, many different consumer reviews on many products and spend a lot of time, or you can pay, you know, for different subscription content, potentially a consumer reports in the US, which some people don't want to pay for, or it may not have content on the products you're considering. So we felt like there was this yeah. gap of um, opportunity. And, um, you know, our first, the first actual product category we worked on was steam irons, which seems like kind of a dull, unsexy product category. And that page, you know, over time has, has made the business a substantial amount of money because there, you know, wasn't a great way to research which steam iron is right for me as a consumer. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it was a really incredible time to be doing what we were doing, and the learnings were just unbelievable. And so the business model was creating content around these products, reviewing them, and then driving that traffic to Amazon, and you were earning money as a part of the Amazon Associates program. Or exactly, Ben. The the the, the simplest way to think of it is, um, you know, you've got consumers searching for uh, best steam iron. Mm-hmm buy steam iron steam iron review um, all these searches going into google what we tried to think about was what do those people actually want well they clearly want to get a steam iron they want to know which one okay well we need to go through the hundred some steam iron SKUs on amazon we need to research all of them and look we did a, a, a blending of methods we had experts heavily involved with the research we had um actual physical testing of the products. We clearly used the consumer reviews ecosystem. We used our own knowledge having been in the ecosystem. Um, and so we would take that category of 150 steam irons, whittle it down to maybe five, and call out which one we thought was kind of best value with a best bang for buck um, reward, and then a best kind of best overall, and then a few contenders. And we would call out the pros and cons. So exactly to your point, a, a, a consumer searching, they hit this page, boom, instead of having to research 100 steam irons, they can focus in on the four or five we've done work on, decide which one is right for them, click through to Amazon, and, and either make a purchase or not. Um, but from our perspective, you know, we can bring people in through organic search, or we could use paid search to drive those visitors into our funnel and then help them hopefully make a better purchasing decision. Absolutely. And so then you sold the last part of that in 2020? Correct. Yeah, we sold it to uh, um, another public company called um, Nexstar 
that's um, been thinking a lot about how to use it inside their kind of TV. They're more of a TV um, broadcast business, and so they've been thinking a lot how to how to use those capabilities to help their consumers and build it into even more of a brand. Um, yeah. And and that was when actually even before then I'd moved to an advisory role and started working on on new projects. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about those new projects, and uh, that's like the purpose of the the episode, and the the um, you know what that uh, new project is doing, and then the problem it's solving. So, tell us a little bit about um, what it is you're working on, and then we'll dive into yeah what uh, what problems it's solving. Yeah. So again, again, it's I think it's awesome we spent this foundation on best reviews because that time there helped us understand um, a couple things. One how to think about driving traffic from Google, Bing, Yahoo, search engines to Amazon. Now, typically we drove it through best reviews, but just that concept of how to move traffic from one to the other, what are the like important skills, what are the software um, components that are needed, tracking, dashboarding, um, team members with institutional knowledge, et cetera. The other thing we learned is we learned that brands were getting incredible value from what we were doing. There was no way to really capture any of that economic value, but you and I both know now, and I was learning then, wait a minute, if I'm driving a bunch of traffic to, for instance, um, the Panasonic Steam Iron product detail page, guess what? I'm driving a bunch of sales for Panasonic Steam Iron, but I'm also actually helping lift, in many cases, their Amazon organic search ranking because Amazon's pretty clear. If you send in high-converting, high quality, high intent traffic that drives a lot of sales, they reward that. Um, and so we started to get this glimmer and um, fast forward to now, Maverick X is kind of, I think in many ways, the culmination of a lot of things I've worked on and been doing because what we're, what we're doing in the simplest form factor is we're using what's called Amazon Attribution. Um, that's a, a, a newer program that Amazon's enabled to allow brands, 3P and 1P, to track and analyze the traffic that comes by any means they use outside Amazon into Amazon. So you could use traffic from Facebook, you could use traffic from an email program you have, or you could use traffic from a, from a paid organic search um, effort. What, what we think a lot about though is how do we use that tracking system and our skills, expertise, and knowledge from Google being Yahoo paid to drive that traffic into Amazon for a specific brand could be again Panasonic's Air, uh, Panasonic Steam Iron, and then yeah. you know have a good understanding of okay how much of this traffic is converting, what keywords are actually driving the, the best impact, what sort of flow, what times of day. How do we think about truly taking this like basic idea and building it into some very very niche offerings that create some really, really compelling value for uh, the brands and manufacturers that um, that want to use that sort of solution. Yeah, nice. Yeah, obviously attribution um, is, is growing a lot and sellers are using it a lot more with the heavy reliance being placed on external traffic. Uh, you're, are you working with, uh, with Maverick X, are you working then with brands in order to get them set up with brand attribution or are they coming to you having fully set up but you're there to really just throw fuel on the fire? How, how are the kind of the inner workings of it? Great question, Ben. We've actually done both. Um, I would say right now the, the, um, the majority 
not the large majority, but the majority have not done much with attribution yet. Mm. And, and I'll tell you why. I think it's twofold. It's, um, it's not incredibly hard to set up in its most basic mm. forms, but if you think yeah. about truly being thoughtful with it, it's a, it's a bit of a project, right? Because you need to both set up and master the attribution analytics from Amazon, but you also need to set up and master your Google and or Bing paid search account. Because yeah. if you don't connect the two and truly have the right manpower to run both, which which isn't cheap, it's, it's a money and it's hiring of talented people who, by the way, are in short supply right now. If you don't set up both and run them both right, you're not going to get a very good return on advertising spend or, or ACOS um, in, in our experience. And so we found some people who just didn't have the ability to allocate the tens of thousands to test this and would rather us get in there and help validate whether there's something there. That's one bucket. And then the other bucket, to your point, they actually have done some work on this and they've realized this is not oh, a, a one-person, two-hours-a-week project. It's a big project to get a good return, and so they want to decrease the money that they're burning and increase the amount that they're getting a good return on, which we've had solid success with. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because it really is something that, you know, I've noticed in setting, setting it up myself, um, you know, brand referral bonus, Amazon attribution, you know, Google ads, all this kind of stuff. It's like it's you know, really more advanced than the traditional Amazon seller has been uh, able to do or willing to do. There has been in the last year or two a real step up in the abilities that a traditional seller, Amazon seller has to learn in order to stay competitive on the marketplace so obviously that's uh the, the, i guess you know without wanting to put words in your mouth a big part of the problem you're, you're solving there um and obviously there's some real value to be had in that um what are you seeing as the the main success areas of the clients you're working with in terms of driving that traffic is it a lot of you mentioned their google ads paid ads um you know are there other strategies that sellers are using right now yeah, we're seeing we're seeing probably three different strategies that work really well um, right now. One would be the um, the Google and um, Bing, and to some extent mm. Yahoo paid search ads. That's an effective strategy, um, not for everyone. I will tell you that we've seen it be a challenge if your product's price point is below ten dollars US US ten US dollars. Mm -hmm. We've also seen um, some challenges, as you might suspect, relatively speaking, if your product is you know, an inferior product in the minds of consumers in your category. So think about this, right? If you've got, an, um, an, back to steam irons, if you're, if you're not Panasonic, you, know, you don't have a big existing brand name, and you've got a really low review count and a really low star rating versus the peer set, that's really tough. Um, so those are a couple areas where we've seen challenges, but we've seen successes across a far wider array than we suspected. Um, in the past, at Best Reviews, for instance, the world of like beauty, fashion, apparel, really challenging because of how consumers make that purchase. Excuse me, with some new capabilities we've been building out at, at Maverick X, we're seeing success in those, what, um, what I think Amazon would consider soft lines. We're seeing success in, in those product categories. Um, another couple of tactics that we are seeing succeed in, in the kind of overall ecosystem, and, and we've been a part of as well, one would be um, paid social. 
and in some cases organic social, that is very tricky to um, replicate or scale because a lot of times it'll be driven by like one particular piece of content or one partnership with you know X, but um, that has worked. Um, we have seen the successes, and and we know there there will yeah. probably continue to be successes. And then the other would be email programs because there are some brands that have built you know meaningful email programs that I think they at first intended to use for their direct to consumer business, but I think they're realizing in some cases there's just there's consumers out there that want to buy on Amazon because they've got their Prime subscription, it's all set up, and so if you can um, take advantage of that. At times, it can be you know incrementally valuable to, to your effort. But I think those three buckets, paid search, um, paid and organic social, but the social world, and then email are the three we've heard and seen probably the, the most successes in so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd love to dive into a couple of them just to get some best practices out for, for our listeners. Um, just before that, is it Maverick X? Is, it, is there like a software component or is it more of like an agency service? Great question, Ben. Yeah, when when we when we were initially getting started, we were kind of weighing those two, um, weighing those two approaches, and so we've tried to lean pretty heavily into um, software analytics, dashboarding. Um, so, you know, when when you think of the services you get, it's not just hey, like this is an agency to help you set up some of your um, ad campaigns or or set up attribution. This is full. Um, now we've not gone the route yet. Some people will say they're fully, um, you know, artificial intelligence or machine learning. We we're not as um, as sold on that route yet for a number of different reasons that we could get into later. What we do believe, though, is there is there are meaningful components that can be and should be automated and can and should involve artificial intelligence and machine learning. So we do use those, but with our with our um, offering today, at least, you come in and kind of get absolutely everything. Um, solved from our team to include campaign setup, campaign management, campaign optimization, bid management, bid optimization, and then flow management. And that has to do with how we're thinking about sending users to, let's just give a couple of examples without revealing too much. At 3 p.m. on a Friday on a mobile device on the search term best steam iron, do we send that user to the product detail page or to the Amazon storefront. These sorts of decision trees and nuance are incredibly important <laughs> to drive the, the best day cost possible. And we've clearly got a lot of experience doing that. Um, not, I didn't mention this earlier, but the vast majority of our team is um, the team that helped build a lot of this product and capability at best reviews and, and refine it. And so we, we were not starting from scratch, we're starting somewhere around third base, headed to home. We we hope, and um, these I think um, experiences, nuance, knowing exactly what software is needed, have been incredibly helpful for us to succeed quicker. I think than we would have been able to otherwise. Yeah. So let's focus on Google Ads then, uh, because that would be the primary external traffic source that a lot of sellers are using right now. Um, can you give us some best practices on what you are seeing as uh, is working? Uh, what a what's it working for? Is it you know launching new products? Is it 
um, continual ranking of products? Is it uh, profitable sales on an ongoing basis or a mixture of all of those? Um, you know, what it's been used for and then some of the strategies around um, how you're doing that. Yeah, we've actually used it for um, almost all of those so far and seen successes. Um, what I would say are some of the ingredients of success. Um, I can think of a few. One is, um, you know, do you have a good understanding of what's differentiating your product? And I think most brands do. Not all of them are able to convey that clearly. And that could be conveyed a couple ways, right? Could be in a written word, could be in a visual. Um, this could be on the PDP, on the storefront, in an, in an advertising unit. But I think knowing that differentiator of why consumers want to purchase your product versus another, whether it be product launch, whether it be um, a product that is already quite successful, or one that, to your point, has kind of waned over time and fallen down maybe the Amazon organic search rankings, I think that is a, a really key ingredient. Um, I think another one is just a willingness to be patient because unlike the Amazon um, you know, media world, Amazon PPC in particular, you're not going to turn on the knobs and see everything reach optimal, um, optimal results immediately. That's just not how Google mm -hmm. tends to ever work, particularly when you've got this complexity of you know, where are you driving the person? What's the best funnel for that particular user and, and consumer based on the brand and so forth? As we get more data, I think it'll probably be an area where we'll build our expertise, but I would encourage anyone experimenting. You, you can't go in and expect to hit the same ACOS that you're used to on an Amazon ad on day one. Probably not on day 30, probably not on day 60. But if you're patient and thoughtful and, and you're constantly learning and iterating, um, we're, seeing, we're seeing brands get to exciting places in the performance side alone without taking into account, and this would be my other point, it's incredibly important to measure, analyze, and monitor your Amazon organic search ranking along the way. Because what yeah. we're seeing time and time again is, in many cases, a core term will be where you'll see growth. But there are occasions where it's not the core term, it's another term or it's a modifier. And if you're not watching all these different terms, you're sitting here seeing your sales go up, but it's not necessarily all going up through the attribution measurement. So you're thinking, oh, that the ACOS in attribution is 70% ACOS. That's not quite where I'd want to be. I'd really want to be at 50%. Well, you probably need to take into account the fact that you're seeing you know, an extra 10,000 bucks a month that you can't fully explain coming in off your organic mm. because you're suddenly ranking either for net new terms or for existing terms much higher than you are much more highly than you were in the past. Um, and the last thing I would add is if you've got branded search or potentially competitive branded search, everyone's been talking about this inside Amazon where, you know, they've built the brand up again, we'll use Panasonic steam irons people are searching for that and guess what Rowenta steam irons have been one or one could argue the term used at times is snaking them right they're coming in and winning on the panasonic steam iron branded search term on amazon and driving that user to buy Rowenta steam iron that same story plays out in google every single day 
And so I would encourage anyone who either has established a large brand and following and they have search volume on Google or maybe their competitors do. These are things that should be considered in my view when you're weighing whether to you know, do a test in, in the attribution system and when you're weighing where to allocate your early dollars and, and think about performance trade-offs. Yeah, because on, on Google Ads, you can um, put competitor brand names in your, in your titles, right? 100%, and you see people go after them constantly. And it's, I mean, look, the, no one really wants to share. I don't think anyone, but Google probably knows the exact numbers. But it, it's, not, it's not 1% of ad dollars that Google gets that go after um, competitive search terms in, in, the, in the branded mm -hmm. department. Because you just you see it time and again. The, the classic one was the, um, you know, there are a lot of people doing different things around, um, you know, hair recovery for men, and you were just seeing different brands build out, you know, big TV ad buys, and other brands are bidding on those search terms, and it's it's a it's a challenging climate where you can make big investments in your brand and see other people get some potentially part of the benefit from that. Crazy, but the um, the other the the other upside obviously is the brand referral bonus. Adding that ten percent back in is um, you know I imagine really helping a lot of your clients make this work. Hundred percent, and um, it actually gets into how we've thought about our pricing. Actually, um, you know I think you look back at a lot of these different business models. Anyone to do with advertising, it's oftentimes a percentage of the ad spend in their monetization pathway for the platform agency or whatever they are. We've thought a lot more about aligning incentives, which I think should be built around revenue. If we're really saying we're trying to build tooling and product to help you drive revenue, we should probably get paid primarily off revenue, right? So we, we, we have a, a, a dual prong structure. We do have some, some a pure, kind of pure SaaS fee, which, which we need, but really our only way to actually turn profits is to drive meaningful sales for you and to make a percentage of those sales, which I think is potentially an, an interesting way to price. But I think to your point, the, the bigger point is the brand referral bonus is not gonna like change many people's lives because it's not 50% or something, but that 10% I think does make the economics easier for, um, for people to test. It's an encouraging signal I think from from Amazon, and I think it's got some sustainability, because it, it, no one's had these conversations that I've heard. But I think you grasp this. If you're Amazon sitting here thinking, "Wait a minute, we want to get more traffic to Amazon.com, but not just any traffic. We want high intent traffic that we can then take and either run our ads against internally, because these people will click on our ads, or since we know exactly what they're coming into and hitting from a PDP or uh, from a storefront perspective." guess what? We'll put them into the DSP and we'll be retargeting these people all over the place and making money that way. So I think from Amazon's perspective, my sense, and I don't think it's been shared publicly, nor will it ever probably be shared publicly, they've already run the numbers on how much money they make because let's just say it's an awesome effort you have from Google. You might get like a 20% conversion rate on, on, on the traffic you're driving in. So 80% are either clicking on other people's ads or getting thrown into retargeting pools on DSP or both. So Amazon can probably say, yeah, we pay out this 10% bonus, but we get this 80% of traffic that we make an extra 15% on. So we actually generate incremental revenue and EBITDA 
even after paying out the brand referral bonus. Yeah, because if someone buys uh, somebody else's products, you're not going to get the bonus on another brand's product. So it's yeah, it's a genius move from Amazon, I think, because everyone's wanting to do it, and uh, and they're getting a lot of free traffic coming their way that sellers are paying for. Exactly, and you can see it. Even we see it been done. I mean, if you, for instance, have um, a competitor that's doing a ton of Amazon attribution and you can kind of unpack that from your own market research. Here's yet another trick that no one talks about. You can make sure that you're bidding and running ads on their PDP. Because, you know, think about it, no user, it's impossible to make a purchase on Amazon without going through a PDP. And Amazon's done a great job of creating a lot of ad inventory on the PDP, where competitors effectively can snake away a customer who was about to make a purchase of one product and instead they buy their product. So I think um, a little known tactic that's that's probably going to grow in importance will be understanding who's leveraging a lot of high quality, high intent, probably Google traffic to their PDP and then carefully thinking about your own bidding strategy on that competitor's PDP. And how would a, a seller go about finding that out? Um, it's a great question. There's probably like a handful of techniques. Um, one that would be kind of for the masses, I think, and, and, and not that difficult is just literally looking on Google for all the different search terms that are, are run um, on, 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 on that product category and just seeing who, who's, who's winning those search terms and are they driving traffic to a PDP. Um, that'd be the first step I would look at. Yeah, cool. And then um, in terms of other methods, we've covered sort of Google briefly, obviously it's difficult to cover it in any great depth uh, on, a, on, a, on this episode, but are there any other key strategies that you are seeing some success with that growing sellers should be exploring? I think that the, um, the two that I would put on your list, if, if I was a if I was a seller right now would be if you have an existing relationship or if you um, believe you can form one relatively quickly with an influencer who has deep, deep um, followership and audience in your niche, I think that's worth testing. Not the, not the mega, the day of the mega influencer, I think, for most Amazon sellers is, is, is I think, probably um, over from a great performance perspective. But there's still interesting possibilities. Again, let's um, let's go now. I think the baby world is probably the, the easiest one to talk to. If I've got an incredible um, sleep sack for small babies, and I have a great relationship over time, I've built with three or four influencers. They have about ten thousand followers each on maybe a few different platforms. It seems like ah, oh, it's too small. They've only got ten thousand followers. You might be wrong, because you might be able to partner with that sort of person, use attribution tracking and see just a handful of posts drive $10,000, $20,000 worth of sales. Because while the audience they have is small, if they're truly an expert on all things baby, they may have a ton of intent they can generate from that small audience that drives sales, that drives people that write positive reviews, that refer others, that has a really powerful feedback loop. So I think niche is not a bad thing um, when, when we think yeah. about the influencer world. And that can go across social also thinking about the paid component there. Is there a way to put yeah. paid dollars behind what you do with a more niche influencer to go after a lookalike 
acolyte audience. Um, that would be one bucket that, that I would consider. Um, and, and the other one is, look, if you've got an email program or if you know an influencer that has a great email program, I, I think you know we're going to see more people have successes. Now, it may be tied to a promotion or a seasonal trend, but it may not be. Um, so I think that those are the buckets I would strongly consider um, putting on a, on a list if, if you're open to trying new things. Yeah, definitely. The uh, something that we've been um, just really in the throes of right at the start of it, so I can't sort of speak to as to how successful it will be. But we've started emailing like content sites that have product roundups, you know, like similar to how Best Reviews would do, like five best steam irons, as you said, um, and reaching out to them, the ones that are ranked well for particular search terms on Google and offering them, you know, some kind of incentive to put our product at the top of that list, which I know not everyone, you know, there should be genuine reviews, but, you know, when you realize what's going on on Google, not many of them are, um, but is trying to get our products then nice and high up in those lists, um, you know, offering extra incentive if they're using the associates program, you know, offering an additional uh, commission on top of their sales. Is this kind of tying into similar stuff that you are looking at doing or is that maybe like a different strategy? We certainly think there's going to be more to come there. Um, I can tell you this, the um, the opportunity, um, and I don't want to throw any specific sites out there, but the opportunities with some sites has gone so heavy into fixed fee at a cost prohibitive level. I'm talking tens of thousands to get that um, position at, at the top of a list through effectively a sponsorship. I think that part's getting too costly. And I think the part, point you're alluding to of how do you make that performance-based and non-cost prohibitive, I think those are important threads that we have not heard the last of at all. And um, I think that it starts to come full circle, and there's certainly a lot more to, to discuss there. And I, I don't yeah. think that trends going away. My guess is we're going to need to do another episode <laughs> at some time later <laughs> this year to double click on perhaps that point alone or others, because I'm, I'm convinced there's more that will be that will be happening there to your point. Mm. Yeah, because from my understanding, tags can be added to I'm not by any means an Amazon Associates uh, expert. So tags can be added in a way that um, we would be able to get reports on which sites are driving or they would be able to provide us with reports of how many sales their traffic has driven specifically for that product so that we could then offer them an additional commission percentage on top of what they're already earning yep i think i think you're thinking on the right wavelength so this is uh i think if people aren't um thinking about this on one level or another they they probably can and will be in the future mm, okay Good. All right. Well, I mean, there's so many advanced strategies now. Being a successful, large-scale Amazon seller definitely is different to how it used to be a few years ago. Um, do you have any kind of words of parting advice for someone who's built and sold a significantly sized business? How should Amazon sellers be approaching the next year, two years in this, you know, um, growingly uh, voluminous marketplace, but also in some ways a growing competitive nature of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the kind of back to the basics um, mantra, which is, you know, what makes your product special and 
how do you tell that story effectively? And I, I think everything we've spoken about are just additional ways to accomplish that same core mission. And so, you know, when you're producing a great product, we used to talk at Best Reviews, Mom, Shell, and I, about going the last mile, right? We could do the best review of steam irons since the beginning of time. But you know what? If we don't get the message out to the right people at the right time in the right context, nobody knows, nobody cares, and there's no value created. So I would say, you know, the, 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 the great product that's well-designed, that's well-packaged, all those things are incredibly important. I'll never downplay any of them. But that last mile of getting the right story about the brand told to the right consumers at the right time, I think continues to be incredibly important. And there'll continue to be new tactics to accomplish that kind of last mile work, not on the delivery side, but the last mile mm -hmm. of messaging and that, um, that, that kind of communication with the consumer. Mm. Yeah, that's really good advice in all of the advancement and strategies and development of marketplaces. Don't forget the basics, good quality products, good quality marketing, still absolutely essential. And um, I think a lot of our listeners are going to want to go and buy steam irons after this, you know, subliminal messaging. Um, we mentioned it so many times, but it's good. It's been really, really insightful. I feel like we've covered lots, maybe haven't gone as deep as I would like into some of these topics. But as you say, uh, maybe we could do another episode as uh, Maverick X does begin to sort of grow and gather more data and, and get more insights. We'd love to yeah, uh, start this conversation again at some point. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing time, Ben. And um, anyone who I can be helpful with, feel, feel free to, to reach out. Um, you know, we, we try to think of ourselves as an education company first, given there's so much um, knowledge we think we can be helpful with. And what I've found to be probably the most rewarding thing about being in the industry, I've yet to take a call and someone at the end is like, this was a waste of my time. I've learned nothing. And I think if you consistently end calls like that, you'll, you'll, your customers may not come instantly, but they're going to come because you you know you're and, and you're also building rapport with people who aren't your customers today but might be in a year definitely yeah and where can people find out more about what you're doing about maverick x yeah i mean uh, maverickx.io we're on we're online um all the time and, and welcome people reaching out um i'm on linkedin um ben at maverickx.io pretty easy to find um yeah feel free to reach out and we're excited to be as um, helpful as we can. And, and thank you so much, Ben, for, for sharing time. And um, hopefully everyone's in for a great 2023. Yeah, absolutely. No, this has been a, a great episode. Uh, this is the first one of 2023. So um, a great way to start the year. Appreciate you taking time out. And yeah, really excited to see where, where Maverick X goes. So I will leave all those links for you, everyone, in the description, in the show notes. So do check out Maverick X. And if you want to learn more about driving external traffic, let me know. It's something that we're doing a lot more of these days. So I'm definitely keen to create more content around it for you that's going to be helpful. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Uh, we'll be back same time next week. So we'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye.